When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. A warm and friendly hello, welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Spears. And now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, we've got a tremendous podcast for you. As in the second segment, we are going to be joined by one of our good friends from Bustin' Brackets. That would be Cooper Watson. He is a man that is out there in the Carolinas, so we're going to get his thoughts on a wide variety of things. Guys that want to reclassify what we can expect out of Gigi Jackson this upcoming season out South Carolina. We're also going to be asking about Imani Bates, what he wound up doing last season, the fact that he is now going to be going to Eastern Michigan, and whether or not he thinks that that is going to be a good thing or a bad thing for him. And with South Carolina being able to add Gigi Jackson, that winds up shining a little bit more of a light onto these SEC coaches that are going to be in their first season as well. So we're going to be asking him if he thinks that there might be a team or two they think might have a little bit more of a leg up than the others, if that is South Carolina or if that is someone else as well. I want to be doing my MEAC preview on the podcast yesterday. Really haven't been getting in a lot of news and notes, and I'm actually not coming at you from lovely Las Vegas. I actually did wind up doing the interview before I left with Cooper Watson, but I am out here in Maui, Hawaii, so apologies about that, but with that said, we're not seeing a lot in terms of news and notes of college basketball. We did wind up seeing Earl Penn wind up signing with DePaul a few days ago. You've got a couple small moves, and once I wind up getting back to lovely Las Vegas over the weekend, I will be summing those up. So, a few shorter podcasts in the next few days. I'm planning on doing a preview of Conference USA along with the Ivy League within the next 10 days as well. So, we've got a lot on tap, and we're obviously keeping track of all the big things that are happening with college basketball right now as well. And if you ever do have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M, maybe does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Via that five star review, really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today. So let's dive into the interview with Cooper Watson. We're going to keep this to a two-part podcast. And that's coming up next right here. I'm going to go soups with myself, Greg Spears, and now a part of the Easy Family Podcast. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus 
Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, yeah, because you got to think, he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on top of that. that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came to my room crying tears. (laughs) I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here at Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Hoops Pierce. And now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, it is great to be joined by our guests. As you want to appear in this man on the podcast, I would say about two or so weeks ago, for my Colonial Conference preview, and he's doing a great job holding it down out there in the Carolinas, taking a look at college basketball for Boston Brackets. Does a great job following this sport all 12 months out of the year, and you're able to follow him on Twitter at his name, Cooper, the letter T, and then Watson, as we do have Cooper on the show, and it is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me on, Craig. Thank you for joining me, and Cooper. As we know, the big thing that is going around college basketball right now is what's all happening with Gigi Jackson. He was the number one overall recruit in the class of 2023. A few days ago, he decided that he was going to decommit from North Carolina. It has yet to become Anna Air Quotes here official, but we all know that this is imminent, that he is going to be going to South Carolina, reclassifying to the class of 2022. And I do think that it's intriguing because prior to this, I really didn't have expectations for South Carolina coming into the year because Paris Lamont, I like him as a coach. He comes in from Chattanooga, but took him a couple years to get Chattanooga online. It's a team that's going to be very reliant upon the transfer portal and those guys that they wanted bringing in. I think that this adds a little bit of a new element to things with Gigi Jackson, but I still think that this team might need a little bit more than just Jackson to be able to make some serious stories out there in the SEC. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that you didn't have expectations for South Carolina before this happened. An underrated part of this, if he goes there and reclassifies, obviously, which it looks like it's going to happen, it puts a lot of pressure on Lamont Paris as well. Having to win right away, where 
you know, before, you know, you can sort of say, okay, I didn't inherit really anything. I was hired. I think he was the last of the new SEC coaches hired. And there were quite a few new SEC coaches hired. You know, it's good. You want to land a five-star, obviously. It's always a good thing to show that you can, like, bring in that caliber of player. At the same time, it could be a negative, whereas they're probably still not going to win a lot of games. They're still going to be a bottom five, probably bottom three team in the SEC, but we're going to be more focused on them now, whereas they could have sort of skated a little bit under the radar before this. Now they're going to lose with attention on them. As for the North Carolina thing, it's interesting. Everything I've heard is they were open to him reclassing. They just weren't going to bank on it and weren't going to wait around for it, which is smart on their part. Right. I mean, if you can go get a transfer in Pete Nance, who I think those people I've talked to really, really like Pete Nance. And I really, really like Pete Nance. You go get him to fill in the four spot. You don't wait around and see if Gigi Jackson's going to reclass. So, you know, if he's got concerns over, okay, am I going to be sharing time now with Pete Nance and all that, then it's unfortunate, but you miss out on him. Carolinas, they'll be fine. They'll be fine this year. They'll be fine next year. It's not like you want to lose out on him, but. It's not the end of the world for them. For Gigi as well, it's tough. It's nice to be the guy and to have all the shots and all the minutes you want. But it's equally as tough playing with players who, quite frankly, aren't very good on a team that's not going to win a lot of games and being the focus of every opposing team scouting report. You know, he's going to get double teams. He's going to get the other team's best defender. He's going to get all of it. And that's tough at 17 years old, 18 years old in the SEC, which could be the best league in the country this year. So I guess I get why he did it from like a personal perspective. But the bigger picture, it's a good thing for South Carolina, but there's some negative potential there. And for Gigi, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. I just don't get it as a player. I understand the motivation behind it. To a degree, I think a lot of it's personal and we'll never understand that. But South Carolina is not going to win a lot of games, which could put added pressure on Lamont Paris and Gigi Jackson is kind of the point I'm trying to make here. And you mentioned it in terms of a Gigi Jackson perspective as well as joining me on the podcast. We do have Cooper Watson. We've just seen it with so many guys that reclassify that it doesn't work out for them. Now, we've seen a couple of guys in which it has. Marvin Bagley, it worked out very well for him. He winds up going to Duke. He becomes a top five overall pick now. I mean, his NBA career hasn't been great, but you know what? He's making millions of dollars. He had a very good season at Duke. You know what? I would consider that to be a success story. What we wound up seeing with Jalen Duran. He was able to do a solid job at Memphis, but looked no further than his teammate in Imani Bates. Did not work mm-hmm. out for him. He's out playing at Eastern Michigan after he was the projected number one guy in the class of 2022, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, list goes on and on. Christian Lander did not work out for him at all in his two years at Indiana. He's no longer with the Hoosiers. So I take a look at the track record of a lot of these guys, and I think to call it 50-50 in terms of it working out would be generous because I think that it's less than 50-50 for these guys that reclassifying, I think that that's such a big element of it because not only do you have guys that are younger that are trying to play with older guys, for one, but two, on these guys that reclassify, they're behind the eight ball because with Gigi Jackson, he's trying to get in in mid to late July and trying to learn a system while everyone else has been there all ever since, like, the middle of spring. Yeah, it's tough. Michi Johnson, also, interestingly, his teammate, assuming he goes to South Carolina, 
reclassified, enrolled early in Ohio State. I think that was like a January thing, kind of like a Shade Sharp, if Shade Sharp had played a game. It's 50-50. I think it depends on the player. I think he'll be fine. The goal, obviously, behind reclassing is to get into the NBA earlier. It's to get the one year out of high school, out of the way. You know, it's rare for a guy... I would say that's that highly touted. Amani Bates is an interesting situation. I don't think we're going to see that with Gigi Jackson, just with his athleticism. I don't think Amani Bates has that same level of athleticism as Gigi Jackson has. So I think he'll be fine in terms of getting to the league. It's going to be interesting to see how he actually performs in college. Does he drop from, you know, top 10 or the lottery to the later first round. I mean, and then you're you're getting into the almost like a Patrick Baldwin Jr. range where it's like, do you come back, do you leave? It's a situation like that. I'm not against reclassing. It's up to them. I get the motivation behind it. It has nothing to do with college, right? College is a pit stop that he has to make on the way to the NBA. If he could enter the NBA draft next year or this year or whenever without having to go to college, he would. He's that good. I mean, he's the number one recruit, number two recruit, whatever recruiting service you want to look at. He's top two or three in all of them, and he should be. And he's got a game that'll translate with his athleticism. He could shoot the ball. He's gotten a lot better as a shooter over the last year out to the three-point range with pretty good distance. So I think it's going to work out for him if working out is you know, the ultimate goal of getting to the NBA earlier. I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing at South Carolina this season, but I think he'll be good enough to go easily in the first round next year. Yep, I do think so as well. And I mean, we have seen some guys with their sock wide up dropping a little bit. It wasn't a reclass situation, but we wound up seeing, obviously, Pat Bowen Jr., an interesting scenario. He winds up still going in the late first round, and I don't think he could have had a worse year than Pat Bowen Jr., but we look at another guy that has reclassified, and in a lot of mock drafts, I've seen him fall out of the first round and straight to me on the podcast. We do have Cooper Watson, and that would be another guy, like I said, that reclassified in Amani Bates. I think that's so interesting. His scenario as well, because we talk about Gigi Jackson and just where he's going to be at in terms of South Carolina, didn't have a lot of expectations for them coming into the year before Gigi Jackson, still not necessarily super high on them. And Fraser, Michigan, I think that you're in agreement with me. We weren't expecting them to be going to a Final Four anytime soon, and we still don't expect them to be competing for necessarily like a second week of the NCAA tournament spot or anything like that. As a matter of fact, them being solid out there in the back, I would consider to be very, very good strides for. But I mean, this is one of the most interesting cases I've ever seen because you got a guy in Imani Bates that, like I said, if he wasn't the number one guy in the class of 2022 before he reclassified, he was certainly in the top three. He winds up having a buster Rooney of a year at Memphis where the team was so much better without him. Now he winds up going to Eastern Michigan where he wound up growing up, place that he very much knows and loves. And he's going to be playing for a guy in Stan Heath that I mean, he is coaching at a power five level before, but this is a really unprecedented situation. And I feel like Imani Bates has a chance to be able to put up some very big numbers, but if it doesn't work out here, I don't know where he winds up going. Yeah, it puts him in a difficult situation. It's such a dra- like a dramatic move. Like you said, if you fail here, then... There's just, I mean, where do you go as that level of player with his his kind of expectations? And again, not to, you know, just sound like repeat myself like Groundhog Day here, but it's similar to Gigi Jackson, but on another level where he's going to be the man. And that can be difficult. It can be tough. There's 
just an old saying among sort of draft circles, scout circles, where don't show people what you can't do. Maybe blending in as the second or third best player on a team that wins a bunch of games is better than trying to be the man on a team that's going to lose a lot of games and where you're going to have the attention of the entire opposing defense. Like that could be difficult. And he's going to see that every night all year. He's going to be the top bullet point on the scouting report in a league that could be pretty strong. And Eastern Michigan is, you know, even with him is middle of the pack, maybe. They're not going to beat Toledo or Akron or Kent State or teams like that. It's a little surprising. It's a little surprising that he would make that move. It just seems a little dramatic after one year. He struggled. He didn't play a lot. He had some injuries. There's debate over, you know, was he injured? How long was he injured? Was he just sitting out at a certain point? What was happening? He still had some... I don't like the word, but he still had some excuses he could sort of roll with at Memphis where maybe I would like to see him go to it. Not maybe I would have definitely liked to see him try to go be the second best player or the third best player. Like I mentioned on a team that's going to win a lot of games or at least be competitive. It's just a lot of putting a lot of pressure on himself. You think, okay, we're dropping down a level. It's going to take the pressure off. I actually think it puts a lot more pressure on him making the move he made. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's my that was my initial reaction. I think that it works out both ways because if he winds putting up like 22, 23 points per game and the team loses, it's just like, all right, he's just on a team of complete nobodies, but he's doing a relatively solid job, even if some of those points are hollow, even if he winds up not having the world's greatest percentage because I think people can sort of take the Savir Wheeler approach with him while he was at Georgia where it was like, well... A bad position, a bad possession for him, better than a good possession for his teammates. So he absolutely right. has to wind up going out and stat hunt, in my opinion. And I think that that's really the big thing for Amani Bates. And I do think that that is maybe a little bit of a detriment to the team as well, because I mean, there could be a scenario where Amani Bates winds up putting up 27 points, but because you have absolutely nobody else on that Eastern Michigan team, they wind up losing a bunch of games. Everyone's like, oh, well, Imani Bates, he wanted to doing his part. He wanted putting up the insert Antoine Davis numbers here, but the team just wasn't able to wind up getting wins. And I think that you could wind up seeing him become like the Mac version of Antoine Davis. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm just interested to see, I hope we see him sort of freed up this year. It's interesting in that Michigan system, or not Michigan, Memphis system, that seems to just let players go out there and just do whatever they want. He seemed sort of uptight last year. Like we weren't really seeing him go out there and do what he's capable of. The one thing I want from him this year is just to tune into an Eastern Michigan game early in the year, which, you know, no one would ever do normally, but this year we'll do it. We'll tune in in December or whatever and watch him play. And I just want to see him like, look like he's having some sort of fun and playing basketball, how he wants to play basketball. And it falls from there, which, you know, that's not a hot take or anything, but considering how rough things were at Memphis last year for him, that would be a big step forward. I do agree with you there. And I think that's going to be very fascinating to see what we wind up getting out there. And we've talked a lot about a body base. We've talked a lot about Gigi Jackson and with Gigi Jackson, he's got a first year head coach, out there with Paris Lamont taking over. It's going to be a second year for St. Eve out there at Eastern Michigan as well. And I think that that leads to a little bit of intrigue with regards to all the coaching moves that we did wind up seeing this offseason. I know that you were a part of the field of 68's 
coaching carousel, doing interviews with all these new coaches. More than 55 in total, by the way. Six out there in the SEC alone. It has been absolute madness. But just in your opinion, are there a few new coaches that you think have stepped into good scenarios and you think that they're going to be able to have success right away? It doesn't need to be a case in which we might have seen something like Iowa State under TJ Otzelberger go from two wins, both against slack opponents, going to the NCAA tournament and winding up going to the Sweet 16. That might be a little bit drastic, but... Is there a few first-year head coaches that you think could come in and could have some immediate success and really be able to do a nice job right off the bat? The easy answer is John Shire. Duke's going to be really good. They're going to be easily a top 25 team, even if they don't hit their ceiling. They're probably a top 10 team that's going to compete to go to another Elite Eight and Final Four. I mean, they're going to be really good. It's a difficult team in that it's so young. Landing Jacob Grandison was huge, getting just a little bit of experience outside of Jeremy Roach, really, you know, after they lost Joey Baker was huge. But it's such a young team that, you know, they could see some struggles early. First year head coach. I still think they're going to be really good outside of Duke. I really like what Matt McMahon has done at LSU. I don't know how good they're going to be compared to the last five or six years at LSU. Okay, are they going to make the tournament? Are they going to win games? Maybe, but considering where they were early in the offseason where, you know, Jeff Porcello of Radio ESPN, who we, who we love, wrote something the other day about how all 13 players were gone at one point. Scholarship players. He inherits this situation from Will Wade that's not good. You've got scandals, investigations, all of this stuff hanging over the program's head, which normally would make it basically impossible for a new coach to come in and recruit any kind of talent. And all 13 players leave, which is just a nightmare. You're hoping maybe, okay, we're going to come in and and a couple players stay and we can work from there. But all 13 players were gone. Now he brings a couple back. He's also added a lot from the transfer portal. I think LSU is going to be an interesting team that's going to be borderline tournament. SEC is a tough league. They're going to be probably middle of the league, which is going to put them around the bubble. But that's a team that I'm interested in. I'm also interested to stay in the SEC in Missouri. Dennis Gates has done what Dennis Gates does. He's brought in not the flashiest name transfers, but I like a lot of the additions they've made. I think they're going to be a top 50 team, which again is going to put them right in that LSU range, which for Missouri is a step up, obviously, from where they've been. They did make the tournament two years ago, but it's a step up from last year. You land Isaiah Mosley, who's a big-time scorer. You've got Modiara. You've got Nick Honor coming in from Clemson. A lot of options in the backcourt. Frontcourt's not as strong, so we're going to see where that leads. But I'm interested in Missouri. And then one last one, you know, again, seems sort of obvious. Not as obvious as Duke, but that's Xavier. It's Sean Miller at Xavier. Sean Miller can really coach. You can talk about the scandals and the Arizona stuff all day. He can coach. I mean, he's got a lot of talent coming back. Jack Nungy, you got Zach Fremantle. I mean, this is a talented, talented team that is in a big East that, quite frankly, you know, you've got Jay Wright leaving. Villanova is still probably the favorite. By default, Creighton, a lot of people would put Creighton as the favorite. I think we're projecting a little bit with Creighton. I like Creighton. I'm not going to bet my house on them to, like, be a top 15 team. I'm just not there yet. I think we're betting, we're projecting with some freshman and sophomore leaps there. But Xavier's in that group. 
you know, I feel like the Big East this offseason, we've just talked pretty much solely about Villanova by default at the top and then Creighton. I think Xavier's in that group. I would put, you know, if I had to put tiers in the Big East, I would put top three in a tier and Xavier's in that group. So those are kind of four that jump out to me. Shire is obvious. Sean Miller is semi-obvious. And then Mac McMahon, tip of the hat there, impressive what he's done. And Dennis Gates in Missouri, I think is going to be very interesting. I think that's a team that could make the tournament and make a big leap from where they were last year. Getting Isaiah Mosley, absolutely massive for Missouri late in the process for them. So I do think that Missouri, all of a sudden they go from perhaps being a two to three year rebuild to being competitive right away. And to your point on Xavier, Sule Boom coming in, that was one of the biggest transfers of the offseason, yep. in my opinion. He was amazing at UTEP, so I think that he's going to go into Xavier right away, do a very solid job. And to your point, I mean, John Miller, when he was last there at Xavier, it went pretty darn well for them. We shall see if there's any sort of sanctions that wind up coming down for Mr. Miller. That's going to be something to watch out for, but certainly I do think that they are going to have a very good run with Miller back there. And it's always a good run on this podcast when you we get you on, Cooper. You do an amazing job over there at Busting Brackets. I know that you're doing a great job taking a look at everything this offseason, getting set for the upcoming college basketball season yourself. So all the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, Cooper T. Watson on Twitter, Busting Brackets, fan-sided, got some content coming out there. Some previews, kind of maybe do some transfer now that we're sort of over the transfer hump here, try to look back and maybe rank some transfers by team, by conference, stuff like that. Sort of do some fun stuff. I like this off-season stuff where you can sort of just put together lists. That's my style right there. So that's what's coming up for me, Greg. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Cooper, he's putting out amazing work, doing a great job of getting set for the upcoming season. And every time he winds up joining this podcast, does an amazing job of lending some great insights. So big thanks to Cooper for joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. If you like what you're hearing from this time podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire this in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I am currently in Maui, Hawaii, so we're seeing a few things happening in college basketball. I'm going to be tying up those news and notes within the next few days and then going to be working on a Conference USA preview and I'm going to be working on a preview as well of the Ivy League within the next 10 days as well. So maybe I covered every single day on this podcast during the offseason news and notes of college basketball once we get in-season picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. So I'll chat at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.